this episode of The Drop, we welcome Ted Lasso production designer Paul Cripps. You know his work on both season one and season two. This time around, you not only get to see his handiwork again on the pitch, as well as in the locker room, but also inside the homes and lives of so many new characters, as well as the ones we already love. We're going to talk about everything that goes into that, from what you see on screen and what has to be planned for and built with VFX. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome Paul Cripps to the drop at DFT. Fantastic. Giant Ted Lasso fans. <laughs> and uh, no spoilers, but uh, because we're the post house, I've seen the entirety of season two. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I oh, Well, came I haven't. So you're one ahead of me. <laughs> I will be very careful. Um, I, I I only get to watch them go, as they go out. So, the I mean, it's it's a hell of a season. It is an absolute heck of a season. And so, because we're the post house, and because we work so closely with Apple, we've been doing this series to try and help people, you know, get a little bit more understanding of what all goes into the show. Because it's it's not just point and shoot and talk and the funny happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so specifically, and I hope you don't mind, but I do want no, to, sure. I, I wanted to kind of talk to you about what you have to think about when it comes to, uh, you know, the look of everything and how that changes in post-production or what you know of how it might change the lenses and how it's being filmed and picked up things like, and, and I fully admit your your area even i thought sound was the least i would know how to interview about and i was like oh snap he's so exciting and i know so little about all the wonderful things that you do because i'm so post-oriented but i have to assume you're taking into account vfx the different lenses and how it's recorded and things like that uh could i be so pedestrian as to just ask you what goes what goes on in your head when you're thinking about that I mean, you guys used nine cameras this season. Yeah. Um, it, it, for me, it's it's um, really about the interaction between locations and set and, you know, how, how we are going to film between those elements. And it's quite involved, really, because it involves graphics is one of the major things that is involved. So lots of screens all that kind of stuff. But also series one was a bit of a nightmare because of the issues of not being able to film at a real stadium in the end, which we thought we might be able to do. So therefore having meetings with Kip and trying to decide with the directors how we were actually going to film the football games and then Kip having to create this whole sta- stadium. That was really, us. Not... <laughs> that was yeah. us in Barnstorm, but God bless yeah. them. Halfway through the season, you know, that realisation is like, well, you know, we're going to have to create a you know, stadium. And they weren't phased by that. And I was like, OK, good. <laughs> because like, so for me early on, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to kind of lay the groundwork for both the shooting and the post in that I suppose my job is to try and make sure that we can film as much as possible. So we're not having to, you know, because a lot of the time, sometimes it's always that thing, oh, we'll just fix it in post and, you know, but I'm really, I, I do try and set myself the task of trying to do as much as we can in order to make the post life easier, because I know, I know, especially for, 
I mean, I've worked on a lot of CGI based shows before, so I understand how CGI works and post works. So in, in my way, what I'm trying to do is either gets to film it in camera or make it easier when it comes to post. We tried to help him in terms of creating a layer of green, which would act like uh, the kind of advertising sponsorship round the round the pitch, which meant that at least he could deal with the legs of players. But then obviously anything above, they were rotoscoping, but um, there were some elements where we could bring in green screens. But yeah, it was, it was quite mental. And getting the position of the, the the kind of dugouts in relation to the football and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of visual vis, visualization and and to be honest we hadn't done pre-vising. So it was kind of making it up in the middle because we didn't think we'd have need for that. Well, I will just go ahead and invite you into any of the previous sessions that we do next season, um, because Kip would actually uh, tell you and Caitlin, the post supervisor, they all rely so heavily on that mini map, especially during production as well. So the mini map is uh, the, the viewpoint of the camera and it follows you and tracks you across the field. And so you have a scope of understanding on what the camera will see, where the dugouts are. And that has been the major shout out across almost every department, just because that is, you know, is Arlo White looking in the correct, uh, you know, way and Rebecca and Keeley sitting up in the stands because they're all in such different places. And uh, that's kind of a, another question, like how do you handle all these different from throwing it to the pub with May and Baz and Paul versus, you know, just Keely and Rebecca and them in the, the VIP booth. It's it's a lot of moving pieces that are all then supposed to mesh healthily together in one sequence. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've got one of those brains that goes from like 2D mapping to 3D mapping. So I've always had a, I've, you know, when I get dumped in a city, it takes me like 15 minutes to work out where everything is. And I can, I can map, it's like a mapping brain. So that, I think that really helps in terms of knowing where I am and knowing where the camera is and what it's going to see. It's a really weird thing. I suppose it's, it's kind of part experience of looking at, but also I used to make model kits of aircraft and stuff. And it's looking at that 3D, like 2D plan of making something in 3D. And I think that helps in terms of, I've always said that if you could build a, if you can build a journey into what you're doing, you bring the audience on the journey and they start to understand the the 3D location of everything. So mm -hmm. I would always advocate, you know, having a journey into the stadium or whatever, if you can do that, because then that locates you. Because if you're just dumped in the middle, it's quite difficult to get your brain around it. But for me, it's 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 quite easy in a way to keep all the different viewpoints because I can just see it in my head. So I'm quite lucky in that respect. So I suppose it's just then creating drawings or plans which I can give to people to say, yeah, you need to be looking this way. If it's this character, it's they're sitting there. Even though that the stadium is made up of like four different locations, I can probably draw a mental map of it and tell you exactly where everybody's sitting. So that's probably a unique skill in my head, which helps. I feel very much like you have LIDAR in your brain or yeah. very <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
Well, yeah, maybe. there were a heck of a lot more sets this season. So you had Keely's house, you had Rebecca's house. Sorry, I will. I'll calm down before we talk about episode two hundred nine. But that had to be a Herculean challenge. Look at that face. Yeah, <laughs> two hundred nine is the the beard episode. Two hundred nine nearly killed me, though. To be quite honest, <laughs> feel like that's a common theme. <laughs> two hundred nine was like everything nothing in the studio everything was split days so it's all day and night so we were preparing the sets the day before and in the morning and then striking that and oh and it goes so quickly when it's a half hour show episode nine was really really hard um so i was really glad that like episode the the episode i can't remember which one we filmed after nine was it 12 uh... It was 12 and it was mainly studio. And I was like, thank God, Jason, you didn't write an episode where they went somewhere else. How do you prepare for all of these things that Jason and the writer's room and Bill like bring to your table? How do you start dismantling that in your head or building it? Well, actually it was quite late episode nine coming. And also we had a director who arrived late and had to quarantine. So we didn't get, we only got like four days recce with him. So we had to choose a lot of stuff before he came. I think one of the reasons I ended up doing this job was I come from the same basis as kind of Jason from doing Saturday Night Live. So I, I came from a background of having to do things really quickly because I was on a live show. And I think his mentality mm. is in the same way. So I kind of understand that. So that helps in a way. And then the other thing is we're so used to in this country, we get scripts so late uh, and we're having to do things so quickly to turn them around because the scripts turn up late. So doing that is kind of a slight second nature, but episode nine was particularly tough. Um, but <laughs> well, also how the, fun was it, it was also really funny and really good. And when you're reading it, oh, you yeah. want to you want to do it. I mean, it's you know, and Jason's great, and you know, he does give you a heads up about certain things. But you also they the scripts are so good especially like you know you meet bill rubel and you want to do everything you can for him because he's so lovely you know and all the writers are like that and brett writing it you know it's just like you want to do it and they're so they get so excited about it so i i guess it's that you know oh god the script has arrived late but blooming that it's good let's do it you know and you just go for it really well, I can't get away from this. I see the Star Wars posters in the background. How hipped were you in advance to this being Empire Strikes Back for Ted Lasso? Yeah, well, that's what Jason did say about it. May the force be with you. And also with you. He did give us a few heads up about arcs of people. And I think mm-hmm. that's been quite that's been quite interesting in terms of the way that I mean, they haven't affected me so much as to probably hair and makeup and and stuff like that. But I, I really like the way that was going. And also, I think it's also that defying what people are expecting. I think everybody expected, you know, Ted to end up with Rebecca or, you know, and and turning turning these things around. I think they're really good at that in terms of the writing. And but also that I think there's elements in the writing that you know, uh, touched on everybody in different ways in terms of their own life. Mm-hmm. Everybody can kind of latch onto a different character about how they feel. There's been a few things that, you know, have been going on in the last few years that I've have been touched off by the script. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, that feels, you know, important. I think that's Jason's 
way in that he seems to tap into that idea of things that do affect us. I mean, honest to goodness, I feel like he's made a deal with someone because he has a crystal ball. You know, I, uh, I again, no spoilers, but 212, when, when that hit locked cut and I saw it, it was moments after so many of the stories that were coming out of the Olympics. Yeah. And I was like, Jason, if you have made a deal with someone, just just tell us. So it, it's a little less weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think the thing is, they're fundamental things that affect us all. That's what they're writing about. They're mm -hmm. writing about things that affect us all. It may be in different ways, but I think we're all feeling it. Um, and they're kind of I think they're understanding how things affect they're, they're probably just speaking from their own experience and we all experience those things whether it be in life or in work or you know or trying to achieve something as a athlete or as a designer or as somebody in post or just somebody working their way up you know a system in a business you know i think they're universal themes and and people can latch on to them because oh, yeah. i think they're treated in a slightly different way you know sometimes they're positive uh, but it's also juxtaposed. Uh, it's not just like it's a terrible problem and and then they overcome it. People don't always overcome their problems and, and they also bounce off other people and, you know, you live with it or you do something about it. So I, I suppose they're kind of, they're just a bit more universal to us all and we can all feel a little bit. Well, I'm kind of wondering with all of that context from what even you bring into thinking about the design, are there any... Easter eggs that we can look for. I mean, it's gotten to the point I've literally watched season one 39 times. Okay. It's a problem. And then yeah. season two, I've watched eight times already. So you got to give me something to like pour over these frames at some point. Like I'm just trying to remember what we did. Cause it's been like, I've been, I've been thrown into, I went straight into another production and I've been thrown oh, into it. It's like, and I, marketing media interviews on top of it, which I know, but I was just like, I, I, uh, the good thing is I don't get to see the shows until they go out. And then I watch them and like, Oh yeah, we did that. I forgot. <laughs> I've forgotten that. I was just trying to think what we did um, in terms of Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, I was like kind of scouring for anything on Nate at this point because we actually never go into his office or even him sharing it with Higgins. But you have this wonderful journey of Higgins and all of these different environments. When we did um, Higgins' new office, which is obviously taken over by Dr. Sharon, in the ante room on the wall, uh, there's a there's a kind of installation involving, there's a famous football kind of toy in England called Sabutio, which is where you flick, the kids used to flick players, and they're little plastic players who stand on a base, and you flick them with a ball and you score. And there is actually, there's a there's two pitches made up there with old style Richmond in old kit playing against other teams, uh, and so that that is something you probably never see, oh. but it's there. And I did it in a kind of perspex box, like a kind of Damien Hurst thing. So there's things like that that have, uh, are just things that are on the wall that you probably don't ever see. Well, even I forget, I, it was really early in season one where Keeley is playing the the lion in the photo shoot. Yeah. And then shortly after you come back and it's on an advert 
in one of the 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 whatever it was and i was like oh my god 39 times i've watched this and i had not caught that yeah so impressive i think we tried to put it on the bus i don't know if it's visible in episode <laughs> nine but there's a there's a keely um kofka vodka we put a kofka vodka thing on the bus so when beer gets on the bus there was supposed to be an i can't remember whether we did it or not in the end but there's an advert on the side of the bus which is keely with the lion that's hilarious. So do you know, does does Ted ever finally get to be a Tom Ford model? Are you working on that for season three? <laughs> that would be very good. I knocked you off your seat. I love it. Yeah. Did those marketing folks from Tom Ford ever get back to you? Yeah, they did. They said they're going to stick with the models they already have. Ah, nuts. Well, and I how much fun did you have with Lust Island? I mean, if yeah. you come from that live background, like that was so wild. Yeah, well, I used to do those kind of shows back in the the kind of 90s. I did game shows and stuff. And and also my I've watched Love Island with my daughter. She's quite a big fan and I quite like it as well. So the idea that I was going to get to do it was was really fun. You know, I really like that. Um, and we created that in a hotel pool near Heathrow Airport. <laughs> Wow. Which yeah. is really bizarre. Robbie Stevenson, the post coordinator, I was like, that photo that you guys come in on, that is nowhere in the UK. <laughs> like Malibu. And he was like, we really tried. It was, <laughs> you know, and, but then it was so fitting. Like once you got into the, the house and it just, it works so well in Sky Sports yeah. too. I mean, you really, this was quite a feat. I, I could ask you what were the differences between season one and season two, but you see it on the screen, just how mm. how many different locations and- Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen it yet, but what we, we had to do two different sets. So we had, we had the real Sky Sports set, but then we also had to build our own, which was like, oh, okay, we're gonna have to do, suddenly build one. To, so I don't know what that looks like. Does that look all right? Oh, it looks one? fantastic. I mean, okay. if I if I wouldn't get in trouble showing you dailies, but like um, even without the VFX. So because once we get it and we start looking at, you know, any of the plates where something has to be comped in, but yeah. Sky Sports, even in the dailies looked really, really good. And you saw the challenges because uh, I think that was even a closed set. So there weren't a lot of people that could be on there. So like there was no VFX supervisor. Yeah. Um, so, but it came out beautiful. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. That's great. Yeah, so I mean, I think the challenge was there was a lot of sets. And I think with directors, we had some American directors who, you know, we didn't get until like at the last minute because of them isolating. Um, so I think it was just lead up times really. But, you know, we, we have a really fantastic team and we can go in and turn around places. Uh, and uh, I had a set decorator this year, Kate, who who's really good in terms of making things look quite high quality. And uh, I'm hoping that it looks really, you know, some of the places look just look really nice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's all about the team, really. And I think we had that thing where people were determined to 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 get it done and, and do it because they they believed in the program and the, the success of the program was kind of pushing them on in a way.
Mm -hmm. Well, and that actually brings up a good point. Uh, congratulations. I completely slipped past that, but congratulations. Just had a great, a great team. There's so many of them, but I mean, it's just, it is a real proper team effort. You know, I mean, how many are on the team or is it just, it's countless with how much scouring and scouting and things of that nature that you have to do? Well, the location team is different to my team, but in, in my team, there's about 10 of us in the art department. Wow. And then there's a there's a team of about six of the prop dressing team who are like set dressers. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a standby team of three. So that's about it, really. I mean, it's not a vast amount. I mean, <clears throat> it was all my team were women this time. Oh, actually, apart from one guy, there was one guy. So they were nearly all women this year. Did you get the question from Bill and Jason while interviewing who was your mentor? No, I didn't. Really? They, at least on, on the cast and um, uh, I think, yes, the editors got asked because the show is so big on mentorship and, okay. you know, obviously Ted bringing up people, asking Roy to mentor people, etc. But if you did I have, have done, one, I might have talked about, I mean, there's definitely one designer who I worked for when I was doing live shows and I was doing chat shows and entertainment shows and he was particularly so I might well have talked about him he, he was he was just an amazing designer in that he had a phenomenal eye for what looked good on camera and mm -hmm. I think that those people are far and few between in terms of being able to see something and thinking that over there will look phenomenal when it's on a you know a crane shot or whatever and he had that ability and I think that rubs off on that rubbed off on me in terms of understanding how thing when you place things in space you know set and depth and how important those kind of things are so I probably that you might well have he might well have asked me but it was so it was so long ago it was just like it seems so long ago who was that oh he was a designer called Christopher George he died recently just before the pandemic <clears throat> which I was really shocked about but um yeah he's a really important person in my life for quite a while before I went into drama and then I left working for him to kind of go into drama. So I always offer anybody that comes on the drop an opportunity to ask me any questions that you might have about how it turned out, because I get to have that crystal ball. I know what they all look like. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask you, I, I had to pick it. I found the hardest thing was picking an episode to put in for the Emmys out of the first series. Cause I just, you know, I really loved little things about the malls, but I picked that one, the one I picked for the children because I thought we went out to quite a nice place to do the gala, which yeah. had a period feel and it was quite different, but also included the other parts of the show. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, what was your favorite episode in series one and two? If you've, yeah. you've seen two, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so 205, Rebecca does the whole make herself big. And yeah. Keely is like, oh my God, you're amazing. Let's invade France. That's my favorite line. Is that but, the one with the restaurant? Yes. So and that's the, Erica's, Eric, one of Erica's episodes, yeah. Uh, well, Bill Rubel wrote that. There's so much happening. You have the Euro shop, you have, you know, the... the so but, I think episode five is the one with Cola playing football as well, isn't it? Is it yes. going back to pay for Yes, that was huge. And then in um, season one, I it's very hard between, I believe, seven, make Rebecca great again, and eight with the dart sequence. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, if we're talking about, uh, you know, your specific, you are absolutely right. I feel either, either for the children or make Rebecca great again, because there was so much going on there. And Jason, um, I forget who it was that shared with me that Jason was just not happy with the karaoke set at first, because it was like not a karaoke pub or anything. And there was just so much to be done, but you made it work. Like, that's the other thing. If I could get like photos or something of what you did, because everyone kept saying it was just kind of like a room. And then you just, you made it a karaoke. Yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, it was just not what he expected. And he's bit, you know, karaoke is so big with him. And I think me and Declan kind of got that wrong a little bit, but actually a funny thing happened in that he was quite he was quite upset about it and it wasn't what it but I think it was also because he was going through quite a big scene in that you know that was a big thing for him that scene and panic attack and whatever but actually funnily enough that place with all the lights and the weirdness actually kind of added something I think to his performance and I don't mm -hmm. know if the fact that he was upset about the thing actually added to the performance but I I kind of there was something weird that happened there that the sound was something of a nightmare then because you have you know people literally singing you have the music coming through to try and help them mouth to it and then the camera work the camera work is amazing but you have roy singing along the frozen and you have colo yeah. like in shock and yeah. it's the sound you know the buzzing yeah. of the neon and he literally does you know this for his panic attacks and it was, yeah, you know, absolutely for the children was wonderful, but that is something that I think will 207 make Rebecca great again will end up in the Academy of, of Television. I mean, really, honestly, uh, for the challenge that it was, you guys all rose to it because that yeah. came together miraculously. But similarly with the episode that you submitted, I mean, you have how many people were on that set you have the busker and, you know, trying to, to get all of his, I mean, that was that. Yeah. It, yeah. Tom did a good job with that. It was a bit of a nightmare. But oh. yeah, I just think, I think that there's also something like the weird redness of that whole set added something to the kind of simmering. Like Yeah. That. And the dark scene is just, it's just out of this world, really. <laughs> Who I think it was Bill that told me that the other day. He was like, it was originally supposed to be um, cricket, uh, cricket, and the producers were like, you can't do cricket in October in the UK. <laughs> and then it was, it was supposed so, to be snooker, been, and they were like, it so worked well with the darts. It was a it was a really happy accident because that works so well. It's just funny uh, every, how many things happen every time. Yeah. I cry every single time yeah. from the age of nine until my father passed away, like just every yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's so good. This was lovely, Paul. Thank you so much. I, I can't nice thank you, you for spending some extra time. And I hope this was as fun for you as it was for me. Yeah, it was great. It's good.